Welcome to the Behind the Goals podcast, the podcast about fans, for fans and by fans. Please welcome your hosts, Andrew Jenkin and Alan Russell. Hello and welcome to Behind the Goals, episode 13. This week we take the podcast on the road for the first time. Uh, we had a wee jaunt down south to Kilmarnock uh, to visit the guys at Killy Trust, a member of um, Supporters Direct Scotland. Uh, and we spoke to them and picked the brains of Jim Thompson, Andrew Miller and Elaine Miller about the Trusting Killy initiative, which aims to get a fan on the board of the club uh, and raise £100,000, which would entitle them to buy 100,000 shares in the club as well. Um, what did you think of this one, Alan? Yeah, it was it was the first one where I've not been in the in the room when everybody else has been in the room. So I was I didn't make it on the road uh, to this one, uh, and I was just enjoying listening into the conversation um, more than more than anything else. Um, it's a um, pretty fascinating story and what they've done out with a time of crisis. So uh, when things are fairly stable, they're they're managing to build a good relationship with the club. Um, and get people uh, on board with the idea and, in, and engage quite widely. Yes, very much so. And what kind of struck me is now that we've done 13 of these, but you know specifically the ones that we've done around um, supporters' trusts or fans' groups, so Foundation of Hearts, Miser, Club 1872, how many of the kind of um, similar things that you've seen, they've all sort of learnt from each other and picked up and, and utilised. And we always talk about you know wanting to promote best practice. Um, but to actually see it is so sort of uh, commonly is really reassuring to know that actually that you know these conversations are taking place and people are learning from each other. So anyway, we'll we'll jump straight into it, uh, and so here we are in conversation with uh, Jim Thompson, Andrew Miller, and Elaine Miller from the Killy Trust. Um, thank you very much for joining us. I say for joining us. I'm actually joining you. I suppose this week yeah. the first time we've taken the the podcast on the road, but. Uh, um, first question is just a little bit of background to the Killy Supporters Trust, really. We started and, in and, yeah, where, it came <laughs> from. where it came from. Uh, yeah, we started in 20, 2003. 2003, it was, yeah. When a lot of trust started. And yeah, we kind of have. Yeah. What, was the, what was the situation at the club at the time? It was actually okay. We were one of the few trusts at that point that didn't have a crisis, so it was quite a hard sell. Mm. Yeah. Because things were kind of jogging along okay, there was no real issues. Mm-hmm. And so the motive for creating it was more about perhaps representation and... Yeah, and I mean, I think of... I worked for SGS at that point and I think speaking to fans and speaking to other folk, they could really buy into the long-term vision. Mm-hmm. So there was a real good hardcore at that point. We're meeting with other football fans, meeting with other trusts and went down that road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and since then you've created the Trust in Killy initiative, which is slightly different, but it's, it's slightly different, Andrew. In that, uh, I mean, it's, I dare say it's every trust dream to become community owned, uh, and and that's certainly you know our u- utopia. But we're a long way away for that at Kilmarnock Football Club. So you've got to try and work away uh, how you can you know uh, get fans influence into the club board. Uh, so you know that that's what uh, sparked off the trust in Kelly. We 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 started negotiation with the football club to try and get a supporter director uh, onto the board so that fans ca- could have an influence, uh, and every pay- penny kind of generated would go towards the football club. And for every pound that we gave to the football club, we would get a share mm. for in return. Okay. Uh, but uh, I mean, there was a massive amount of work went in uh, before we, we we could launch the mm. you know the the, the, the actual campaign. 
uh, and we'd first we had to uh, we had to develop a really strong board uh, and uh, I'm proud of the board we've got just now yeah. we've got a great skill set uh, around the board uh, and that, that, yeah. that was something that we, we, we basically went headhunted you know specific people for specific tasks yeah well I wanted to ask you about that because on your website I love because I love this it says uh, there's a line on your website that says the board of Kitty Trust is made up of people who eat sleep and breathe Kilmarnock Football Club so they're all supporters yeah. every single one of us yeah. are diehard supporters home and away supporters uh, and uh, part of the requisite is <laughs> that uh, we, we could delve into their skill sets to, to achieve what, sure. what we're in what end goal uh, and it started off uh, with us trying to generate more. we had to build a foundation uh, for before we could launch the campaign and part of the foundation was uh, to build a communication system mm. uh, for the fans, uh, we, 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 we created, uh, we did fundraising events to generate money uh, to create a website, killyfc.com, mm. uh, and also upgrade. We, we used the, the Supporters Direct uh, database in touch with members, uh, but it wasn't really in tune with what we wanted uh, going forward. So, to create our own database. So none of what none of this comes cheaply. So we had to do kind of fundraising events, uh, and this is where the supporters direct directory was great because you can dip in mm. to, to various fundraising projects there. Uh, because at the end of the day, you can't reinvent the wheel. There's some great ideas, you know, and we 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 did a lot of stuff with comedy nights and stuff and generated yeah. money, uh, which helped you know fund all this. Uh, and we get, we, the main thing was to get the, the, the structure in place in order that we could launch the campaign. Yeah. Uh, and uh, again, we had a lot of consultation with various other fan groups that had been down this road before. You know, we got great support for Gary Halliday mm-hmm. at the Foundation of Hearts. Uh, we spoke to the Motherwell guys from the Well Society, John White from Smizer mm-hmm. in St Murn as well. Uh, so I mean, there was a, an awful lot of research mm. went into it, you know, before before we kick started it. Uh, it was April, middle of April, Good Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was good as well because we launched it the same day. It was a a, a home game against Hearts. So Gary was there, uh, and, and did did a, a wee speech for <coughs> us as well, along with some ex players, and some of the, the local uh, politicians. You know, just backing the campaign. Uh, and nine months later, we've achieved our first target. I mean, yeah. this is the the whole thing. the The, the initial target was to obviously get a seat on the board, uh, and and it's a full directorship. Uh, feel free, but and you're <laughs> <laughs> doing a great job. <laughs> but uh, the, 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 what we're trying to do is create a long term <laughs> revenue stream yeah. for our football club. Yeah. And that's and I, I I read recently in a piece in the record about how that's quite similar to um, what. Uh, Club 1872 are doing at Rangers and, yes. and what St Mirren are doing, both of whom we've had on the podcast before and they've kind of explained the different projects that they're helping fund within yeah. the... And yes. that's brilliant to have that kind yes. of level of involvement for members to be able to have some influence on the kind of projects that you're going to be working on. Yeah, I think club. that was another one of the ideas that we picked up from St Mirren was mm. this idea of, of having a, a, an amount of money every year once we get past that initial target that we could that would be invested into the club but we would have that link with the, the members about what we will do with it, you know, and it might be that something's going to take two or three years, so we might be banking it so that we can build up to something bigger or it's something we can do quickly and, yeah, as, as you know, get a tangible change in the environment within the club, mm. <clears throat> whether it's, you know, rail seating or whatever, you mm. know. Um, I don't think all fans 
kind of understand the vision at the moment about fan representation mm. so it's easier for them to get involved if they can see a, a project sure. particularly one that they back I think that was the thing that came from the conversation we had with Club 1872 as well was that um, not all fans were perhaps as passionate about supporter influence and representation yeah. Yeah. but they understood when they could see something visible and yeah. tangible <coughs> happening around their stadium that improved it so it just increases your relevance as a supporters trust yeah. and if you have more people become interested in the trust in Killy initiative than you perhaps did with the, the supporters trust or well, we we're hoping to grow the actual trust in Killy campaign what we have noticed is, is a, a big increase in the the trust membership mm-hmm. uh, when, we, we, when we I think uh, the trust membership was down yeah. to about, about 130 about or something the, probably about the time we launched uh, the trust in Killy initiative the membership yeah was down around about 130 and it was something we at the same time we launched a new membership portal basically so it basically means that it's you're doing go cardless which means mm. your tenor comes out once a month and you don't really have to think about it once a year, oh, once a year, year rather, sorry, once a year. Uh, yes, it's only £10 a year to join the Kelly Trust. It's great value. <laughs> Good plug. And because that's completely automated, it makes it very simple to manage. It means that the membership is sitting in a database all the time. So that was kind of one of the, the things we had to get in place before we started the Trust in Kelly initiative. And we're now sitting, we're just... Over 500. We're over 500 we're over, now. We're over 500 and it's continuing to grow. And that, yeah. that, that, that's fantastic for mm. us as well. We are hoping, our next like target is to get 1,000. I mean, I, genuinely, I can't understand why every come on up yeah, for a member of the trust. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to have a voice, you know. Because sure. it's something that, I, I mean, probably, and most trusts probably get this from their board or the chairman of the club is, well, how representative are you? Mm. You know, if you've got 130, I mean, you've got a season ticket holding of around 3,000. How representative are you? And yeah, you could still say that five hundred is you know a minority, but it's about a sixth, is it not, of the mm. season ticket holding? So you know we're getting there, mm. um, and because we've made it very simple, and you know you can do it from your phone. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 pretty easy to get the tenor out of somebody. You know, if you've got that arm up their back. Yeah. <laughs> so so the the long and short of the initiative was um, a hundred thousand pounds. That would get you hundred thousand shares, yes. uh, but also a seat on the board. Yes. But reading your piece, you the the club weren't initially that keen on the concept, but you've you've managed to. Sort no, of... it's been it's been a long process because I mean, I mean let's face it. I mean, uh, I mean it's good to see there's a sea change in Scottish football now. You know, and a lot of that's doing the supporters direct promoting these sort of things. Good, good plug there. Uh, no, I will, no, absolutely. <laughs> praise for praise is due because I mean, the the the, the annual conferences are great to spread the word. You know, uh, and you know, although I've been a member of our trust since its inception, yeah. I mean, when I retired uh, from the, the the police, I I got roped into the uh, the trust. You know, a lot of time in my service was community work, uh, and uh, you know, I loved been able to initiate kind of projects with the trust to take into the school mm. or the football club and d- d- different things like that. Uh, oh, who was I talking about? I'm losing the plot now. <laughs> uh, the sea change in school. Over a period of time, the, the board change that come out of the football club mm. uh, and we get guys on the board that, that just totally understood uh, the, the the benefits in bringing you know the, the fans and the community closer together with the football club, mm. uh, and that gave us an end. And obviously, you know, two or three years of negotiation uh, led us to, to sign heads of terms, uh, and you know, really, 
we kicked off in April and we are where we are. Uh, and the heads of terms uh, were clear, the £100,000 was going to the football club with no ties. But we're now in negotiation with the, with the club where you know, we're hoping to uh, tie the £100,000 into a project that the, 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 the club mm-hmm. or the fans can see where the money is going to. Uh, there's a couple of things that they're, they're, they're suggesting that um, it might be options, one of which is disabled facilities at the football club. Right. So, I mean, that, that'd be a fantastic help for our campaign as well. If fans actually see physically where the money's going to be. And thereafter, we can look at, well, you know, what the next project is, as Andy says, it could be, you know, rail seating. It could be anything. And the fans will have a voice in where that money goes, just the way St Mern uh, have done and, uh, and Hearts have done before us. Mm. You know, it's, uh, it's absolutely the only way forward for Scottish football. We have got to be, football clubs have got to be sustainable mm-hmm. and not rely on businessmen to constantly put their hands in their pockets. It's just it's just a, a failed business model now. You know? But I also think if fans feel part of something, they're more <coughs> likely to support the club through thick and thin. Absolutely. It's when things go wrong on the pitch, fans can disappear, but it's if easy, they feel yeah. that it's their club, they're more likely to hang That's about That's right. The club, clubs have got to treat fans as members and not customers you know when you just turn up and go into the the cinema or the theatre or Mm -hmm. stuff like that we've got to change this whole attitude Uh, it's a football it's a club be a member of the club be a part of the club Mm -hmm. Uh, we've got got to change that that mentality completely agree yeah I've found that it's interesting mate for members of potential members given that you're not in crisis it's quite unusual to to be on that that growth path that you've been on uh, without a crisis to motivate it, um, how, how have you pitched that? I, th- I think it, to a certain extent it was about making it very, very straightforward for people to join. And it was we took it as being very much about removing the barriers that you get when you are getting in somebody's, and I mean that in the nicest possible way, face-to-face speaking to somebody about what the trust is about and what the, the Trust and Kelly initiative is about. And yeah, making it really really simple for them to join and again it sounds like I'm, I've got shares in gold cardless but because the gold cardless <laughs> is completely transparent and you're not chasing people for their tenor every year um, <clears throat> it means we've got less uh, loss through or membership loss through apathy or oh yeah I must do that tomorrow I remember I got that reminder and I've tucked it behind the clock and it never comes out again uh, and I, I think there was a lot of people kind of saw that we were really a real tangible could see what we were trying to do and understood it and decided that you know now was the time and yeah a lot of the board members simply you know face to face persuading people chapping doors because we did have a list of everyone who's ever been a member um so you know that's that's who we're pushing now is to get those uh, people back on board with us uh, and just by making it so simple for them to pay their membership i think there's also it's a bit more normal now to have fan representatives. When we started out in 2003, everybody said, oh, a pipe dream, that'll never happen. But you now have sports journalists who openly talk about fan ownership, fan representation. Mm-hmm. And I think when we were starting the tech initiative, there was a kind of feeling that things needed to change off the pitch. We could be better. We could do things differently and be a better, more successful football club. So we kind of tied a wee bit into that as well. So mm. partly timing has made it good for us, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, I think it's also the, it's the, what is it now, almost 15 years worth of plugging away about what fan ownership is about. Mm. And I think it's, um, people now are, 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 
it's more just that there's, there's more critical mass of people who understand what fan ownership really means. Um, and you do have things like, you know, Ebb's fleet slightly derail it for a wee while because it does become, you know, football manager. And that's not what, what fan representation or fan ownership is about. But these things kind of divert from away from the core message about it. Um, so I think that's just that's just plugging away at what we're really about and people now, a lot more people now understand it so that when there is a, a discussion on the message boards about it, there's somebody there who's able to give, you know, a very knowledgeable rebuttal to, to some some post by somebody, you know, and that just kind of kills that sort of stuff off quite quickly. And it's not board members anymore. Yes, it's, it's, not, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, folk. It's, it's not the same five people who are desperately bailing the boat. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask you, Elaine, was you mentioned that you, you used to work for Supporters Direct and what, what was, how was now so different to, you know, 15 years ago when you were first involved and what's kind of changed, do you think, to change that story and narrative about fan representation? I think in the kind of wider policy agenda, the Scottish Government are really pushing community empowerment mm. and I think football trusts fit perfectly into that. You've got development trusts that are looking to take over facilities, land, it's much easier now to be a trust and to move towards where you want to be. People understand it better, there's better governance around to support you to do that. And I think folk just need a change. Yeah. And football has needed a change for a wee while. Yeah. So I think they're using experiences they have elsewhere to bring it into their, their football life. Sure. And, and I suppose as well that the one of the things that presumably as well when you were supposed to direct our colleagues in England it was much harder sell for a lot of those Premier League clubs and Championship mm. clubs and the, the idea of them having fan ownership in the Premiership was pretty unthinkable whereas in Scotland you know we're potentially going to have two within the next yeah. couple of seasons so but even when I first started that that would never happen uh-huh. it was okay for B clubs but it would never happen for the SPL clubs uh-huh. but you can see it happening mm-hmm. yeah absolutely so never say never absolutely okay so <laughs> let's bring it back round to uh, Kilmarnock so um, you've now reached your sum within nine months. That's incredible. What's the kind of secret to the success? A secret, as Andy says, is getting in people's faces and talking to them. Uh, yeah, one to one. What, what, what has amazed me, uh, having seen you know all the contributors coming in in the database, uh, is that the love that... that uh, I mean, listen, it's probably like every other football club. I mean, there's a genuine love for, for our club all over the world. Of contributors from Thailand, from America, from Australia, all over the place, uh, and we'll we we'll learn from St Mern as well. You know, to have obviously we've got to reach our target and as quickly as possible, our, our initial target. So we we had the fifteen pound package, the twenty five pound package, but really people can put in as much as they want, and it's humbling to you know for me to to see even though there's one guy has put uh, donates four pound seventeen. And every single month, you know, okay. and it's, he's made the decision to maybe cancel a standing order, uh, you know, in, in order to be part of us. Yeah. Uh, I, I, another day, you know, a few months back, I was heading to a home game at Rugby Park, up in Donald Place, uh, and a gentleman just stuck an envelope in my hand. He said, "Thank you know that that's for your campaign," uh, and without sounding horrible about it, just it didn't look like. The, the 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 kind to, to afford to be to throw money away and it was two hundred and fifty pounds in that envelope, uh-huh. you know, uh, it's, uh, it really has been humbling, you, you know, just to see you know the, the money coming in like that. It's, 
Uh, and it has been a fantastic achievement by our, by our supporters over that, 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 that time. But I think we've got some really good skills on the board as well. There's some guys that are fantastic on social media and they're yeah, always yeah. getting the message out yeah. there. <coughs> and there's a lot of guys that are really well connected in their communities. Yeah. So they're you know, sharing the message word to mouth. And I think that's how you get folk involved. It's personal contacts. Mm, mm. So it now makes you the third biggest shareholder in the club. What's the next kind of target? And what does what does the what kind of percentage do you have just now? What does that give you? Well, I think what there's about four and a half million shares just now. I mean, in the scheme of things, we are nowhere. I mean, we'll, mm. we'll be close to two hundred thousand shares, which will make us the third biggest shareholder. Uh, Michael Johnson and Billy Bowie will still have you know, is it one point nine million each? So that that shows you the golf. Uh, and therefore, you know, fan ownership, our ultimate dream will probably never happen in our lifetime. But you've got to start somewhere. We've yeah. started the journey with this. Uh, and the good thing is we'll get something really concrete. Having, having an influence at your football club, uh, you know, is a fantastic thing for, for, for supporters. Having, having a voice uh, in the boardroom and the decision-making table, you know, is... Mm -hmm. Uh, as an absolute step in the right direction towards that, you know, and hopefully once we're there, we can prove our worth, uh, you know, and, and continue to build, you know, with, with things. But that's uh, it's the way forward for, for Scottish football teams. You know, this probably won't, couldn't happen in England because of the amount of money that's going sure, on there. Sure. But uh, I mean, Scottish football has got to be sustainable, and we can't rely on local businessmen constantly to dip in to their pockets to, you know, to fund football clubs. Fans have got to stand up and be counted and mm. do their bit as well. Mm. I guess um, I'm kind of doing, doing the, the, the sums in my head. Uh, there was two big shareholders. Um, I don't know too much about, uh, about who they are other than, you know, seeing their names in the press occasionally. Um, but are, is there a relationship, a positive one? Um, and how do you get on with, with those? Um, we we get on we get on well with uh, Billy Bowie. Um, uh, Michael Johnson has has worked at the club for a long time and has has had to take it through some fairly stormy weather. I I mean the he was he was in charge. And I think he was the sole person in charge, the only member of the board when the Santanta deal went south. You know, so and that was a a, a big hit for the whole of Scottish yeah, football. Yeah, the ship the ship afloat. And it, yeah. Um. So our relationship with him has not always been the best. Um. And really, Michael's um, circumstances changed very radically in the last uh, year or so. Um, so he's, he stepped away from the club uh, completely, really. Uh, he is still a shareholder. Um, and I don't know whether something will happen with his shares in the coming years. Um, so we wait and see. But to some extent, as he stepped right away from the club... Uh, it's really Billy Bowie that we we are dealing with now. And John uh, Kilty. And, and, yeah, but, and I mean, yeah. Let's not forget about John Kilty because John Kilty has been, uh, in there um the for start. for a couple of years now. But Michael um, Michael was part of the Kilmarnock board at the time while we were negotiating, and Michael was was there when the heads of terms were signed. Yeah. So it's not as if you know Michael was against it. I mean. Yeah. Uh, and that's maybe something else we can take pride from, you know, the fact that we've persuaded Michael to our argument over a long, long number of years. Yeah, uh -huh. he, he is, I mean, he's got a reputation for being a, a, a hard negotiator, and yes, we can testify to that, but, uh, you know, we came through it in the end, and we, we got our, our heads of terms signed, which was a, a pivotal moment, I think, for the fans of Kilmarnock and for our campaign. Yeah, my observation on those types of relationships, without, like, not really talking about the specifics of of Michael Johnson and, and, and your and your club, um, but when you actually get somebody who's been 
difficult or sceptical about about your cause actually to the table and talking constructively with you, that can be better than not having them there at all. You know, actually having, having turned a relationship around like that gives you a lot of credibility in the eyes of others. Um, so it can be a very positive thing to have gone through that journey, even though it doesn't always feel positive at the time. Yes, aye. It, it, uh, it gives you a, a real perspective on, you know, other people's, you know, slant on what you're trying to do. Because it is, you know, we're all, all believers in this. And so it's, it's having to, being challenged by that scepticism is very good for your own uh, belief structure in this. I think it's also an advantage of the trust board because you do have different skills that you bring to the table so you're not always involved in every single negotiation so I think it's easier to maintain relationships that way when it's, it's not always yeah and you're not always sort of up against each other mm. so one thing I wanted to ask you about is and you mentioned it earlier Jim was about your website because yeah. you have a, a you've sort of moved the trust website and the, the trust in Killy initiative under killyfc.com yes, yes. Uh, if anyone wants to go there click on the trust logo and click on the trust right, logo yeah. and, and the go cardless which we'll get a commission for as well from go cardless <laughs> but uh, the w- one thing I wanted to ask was what was the kind of thinking behind that uh, because there's lots of other groups that are, are on that it's yes. kind of an amalgamation isn't it going way back uh, to, to the dark old days when Michael was the board of director uh, one, one of the criticisms constantly kind of launched at the trust where was that we weren't representative of the, the fan base. Mm. Uh, so that, that, and he was probably right <laughs> with the numbers at that time. Uh, but uh, we, we, we obviously had to turn that around. Uh, and looking forward you know, to, to, to the campaign, we had to have a really good communication system. Uh, so we built kellyfc.com, which now houses obviously the, the supporters trust. Uh, it's now a portal for uh, the supporters association, the junior supporters club, uh, and also, you know, the, the, the Kilmarnock Ladies Football Club. So, I mean, it's... Uh, and we hope it, it will continue to grow. And it's all run by volunteers. We've got Kelly FC TV on it as well. You can you, you can look at old games. There's uh, player inter- ex-player interviews going on it all the time. Uh, and, and as a trust, we're hoping to build on that. We're hoping to... I mean, St Murn have gone down the line of uh, St Murn Radio. That's something that we, we are desperate to do as well. And we will talk to the club uh, very shortly about that as well. So it's just opening up a whole, you know... Uh, a whole lot of doors for, for, for the trust to, to become involved with the football club but the key to that was uh, you know getting the website up and running and, and you know getting a more uh, a better database that would, that would serve our purposes going forward and that, that, we want to spend a lot of money in that you know through fundraising and stuff so another aspect of it was also is sustainability is going back to is, is just the sustainability of trying to run five six separate websites and having the, the the people with the skills to do it and it meant that some websites yeah they would ask can somebody help us set up a website and then it would just become a cobweb you know there would be nothing put up there you know, and it would sit there for 18 months nothing who's happened the password? to it yeah who's got the password you know <laughs> somebody goes to a different job they don't their circumstances change they don't have time to do it anymore and by by bringing them all together so it means that we're you know, the daft techie stuff, we're managing our URLs in a single place, mm-hmm. all these sort of things. So uh, it means that the, the small group of people we've got can keep an eye on everything now to make sure it gets updated. But we also can give 
very specific rights for doing updating to individuals who are interested in updating, but they don't have to do the whole administration of a, a great big website and when do I need to you know renew my domain name and all the technical stuff that goes with it. It means they can just rattle off a quick text file, stick in a picture, mm. there you go, updated. So you know they, they've got something up. Mm. Uh, and we've so got we, a sponsor for it as well. The I was going to ask you about that. Is, I was going to ask you about that. So is that is that was that kind of a conscious thing? If you thought you could get more traffic to a single place, that would lead to a sponsor. Yes, that would help with the absolutely, cost. absolutely. Yeah. And again, you know, the, the the website is now self sustainable as well. Great. As a result, and big thanks to Brown and the Bakers, <laughs> the Come On Up Pie Man, for doing that. But um, I mean, it shows you the level of work that has gone in yeah. to this. It's, this has just not happened overnight. This has been. Many many years in the planning and the build up to this, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. um, there's a lot of negotiation and, and and you know respect to all the different groups involved because sometimes it's about people letting go of their own a uh, bit of the winter internet mm. to to for the for the greater good, mm -hmm. um. So yeah, that was a, a a big step by some people to do that, but I think I think it's paid off and I think that all the groups involved are, are reaping the rewards of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. I couldn't uh, finish without asking you about Steve Clark, and I know this is not necessarily you know we were saying this isn't about uh, picking the team, and we don't often talk about on the field matters. But um, as a man that was involved with West Ham, it's obviously a club close to my heart. He was very widely respected, and he seems to be doing such a great job there. It's an astounding job he's doing. I mean the the the, the stats, as Jim said earlier on, you know three points from the first eight games, and now we've gone nine games undefeated at home. Something like that, uh, and it's as Jim said earlier on, it's it's pretty much mm. almost an identical squad. Yeah, we brought in three players, and yes, uh, so what's Mr. What's, what's happened? Is, is a, it, because you, as you say, you had a series of managers that speak to the football brain. <laughs> she'll know. I I, I can't I, put. I my think it's in. psychology. Uh -huh. uh, he he understands his players, and he can get the best out of them, and he's got them working as a team. Mm. And I, I think it's as basic as that. Mm. But it sounds simple, but if you don't have those skills and sure. talents, it's very difficult. Sure. Yeah, because it's, it's simple enough to, easy enough to say, oh, they're well organised, but it goes beyond that. It is way beyond that. It is, uh, yeah, as Elaine says, it, it's the psychology of it. Yeah. And confidence. It's, yeah. Yeah, confidence, of course, brings yeah. more confidence. But uh, well, nervous every time a vacancy comes up elsewhere. Well, yes. <laughs> we were very glad when Mr. McLeish became, you know, the Scotland manager. There was a, there was a, I think, a day of celebration uh, in Kilmarnock when we heard that. If the trust played a small part in Steve Clark coming to the football club, because we sat, I mean, we we've been through the manager, the managerial merry-go-round, you know, quite regularly over the past few years. Uh, and we've kind of sat around the table of who are we going to get next because it's the same old faces that appear uh, at different clubs and right about the time uh, I'm just off the top of my head I think it was around about Christmas or New Year period Gary Logg uh, left us and it was around about the time Steve Clark uh, had been the manager of Reading uh, Fulham had expressed interest he turned down Fulham going back to Reading and within a matter of weeks had been given the sack unbelievably by Reading, you know, we think, you know, Steve Clark would be absolutely brilliant for our football club. He's an Ayrshireman, his brother played with Kilmarnock, uh, Paul was an absolute legend. Uh, he's the type of centre-half that, uh, you know, Scotland is crying out for nowadays. Uh, you know, I thought he'd be absolutely brilliant. And, you know, fast forward a, a year or so and uh, we lose Lee McCulloch, who, who was a fantastic guy to deal with. I have a lot of respect for Lee. In fact, a lot of the players who are now doing the business for Steve are all Lee McCulloch's players. 
but to, to get back on the subject, we thought, you know, Steve Clark, we, we developed a, a relationship with the board there, uh, and we basically <laughs> approached, <laughs> approached Stephen to see if he was interested first, uh, and then we, we, we kind of put forward the, the, the details onto the club board, uh, and it's all very well, you know, fans, you know, presenting a, a, a you know a, a list to Santa, but uh, Santa's still got to deliver the goods, and it's it's absolute credit uh, to our board that Steve Clark is our manager. You can imagine the players' faces uh, with his coaching background, uh, you know, coming in on a, on a Monday morning to start training, and Steve Clark's there, you know, and uh, every every single away game just now is like a mobile Hogmanay party. Uh, it's the atmosphere is just absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, and it's everything our club has been crying out for for years, and long may it continue. Because mm. even on Wednesday night against St Johnson, it was one of the noisiest night games mm. I've been to in years and years and years. Mm. Well, the game against Hibs, when we, we get beat 3-0, yeah. the team got a standing ovation that night, just for, for the level of effort and, and the, the way they were trying to play... Uh, and that that was a turning point. As yeah, well. that that was, that was a major point. That one. Yeah, that was a, a very significant game. I think. I think that's when everyone bought in at that point. Mm. Well, good luck in the replay against Aberdeen, and yep, hopefully you can make it through to the, mm-hmm. the semi final. Yeah, it is open. So thank you very much for for joining us all, for for having me join you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, good luck in the in the replay. Thank you very thank much. Thanks, thanks, Andrew. Thank yes, thanks, Alan. So there we go. That was uh, Jim Thompson, Andrew Miller and Elaine Miller of the Killy Trust. Uh, another fascinating podcast to add to the, the collection, I think, in terms of the interviews we've done and uh, and all the kind of learnings that are, are there for everyone else to see. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I thought it was, it was great. Um, as I said in the intro uh, as well, the thing that really struck me about the the story that, that, they, that they told there was just the normal growth in numbers um, mm. from 130 trust members to over 500. Uh, which is which is great growth, as well as raising the money, which which is also impressive. Um, but being able to engage so widely, um, be more representative of the wider uh, fan base, um, that was that was really good. And I, I think they they they, they, uh, they observed the importance that technology has had in doing that, having that platform that they can use to reach out to fans and make it really really easy to, for people to to support the uh, the initiative that they've got running there. Yes, absolutely. I think there's. Um, a couple of things that really strike me about it. One, as you point out, is the the, the kind of sheer amount of money that they've raised. You know, a hundred thousand pound is a huge sum of money that they've they've raised, and I think that that is you know testament to everyone involved in the in the initiative. Um, and I what what impresses me most about that, I think, is that generally you, you get a sense of um apathy amongst the support when when a trust are trying to do something positive about um fan involvement on fan engagement and a lot of fans perhaps don't see the value in in something like that and would rather money was spent on a on a player budget or something like that but you know for for that to actually translate into actually people contributing and signing up is great and obviously that's had a positive effect for the trust as well so um you know kudos to everyone involved in the in the trust for for doing that um Moving on, uh, we, we, we haven't got a huge amount of time today, unfortunately, to, to wrap things up. But there was a, a couple of things that uh, we were going to discuss. And, and one of them was uh, Dundee and, and Dundee United. Yeah, the, the neighbours in Tayside, um, both recently having published their financial results, both uh, reporting losses. Um, you know, Dun, Dundee's results were, were uh, announced a little bit sooner. Uh, and there was a Daily Record article about 
that they took exception to and protested against the way it was reported there. But I mean, ultimately, what it, was, what it was reporting was that there has been a significant loss, despite them being in the Premier uh, division um, and, and things being quite positive uh, on the field. Behind the scenes, there's, there's a, a bit of a, a gap in the numbers that can only be bridged uh, if they get a new stadium or uh, with the, it has a better sort of uh, deal and less maintenance involved in it. Or there's a new TV deal struck that gives them more more money, or they magically find another thousand uh, regular supporters. Um, so that fundamentally, there's a gap in their numbers there, um, despite them doing well and being in, in in the Premier Division. And then just I think it was yesterday or the day before, Dundee United's uh, uh, results being pub- financial results being published, uh, and a major loss there, a yeah, seven figure. Um, loss in their accounts. Obviously, that's a, largely as a result of them being down in the uh, Championship rather than the Premiership. Mm. Uh, so, you know, the, the closest neighbours in British football, uh, both playing in different divisions, um, is a city where they've got you know, a decent number of supporters each, um, but the numbers aren't stacking up for them. So it's interesting uh, to, to see both the contrast and also in, in, in what, what's happening for them on the field, but the similarity in their in their numbers there. Um so that was, a, it was an interesting one. We'll just see how that kind of uh, unfolds, particularly the, the Dundee United one, as that news is so is so recent, um, and see how when we, when we find out a little bit more about those numbers and see what the, the situation is for them. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough times um, when you're used to being a Premier Division club and then you find yourself down in the Championship for for any more than uh, the briefest time. Uh, it's 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 pretty challenging to make the numbers uh, stack up. Yeah, I imagine Dundee United based their business model on on presumably being back in the in the premiership by now as well so um that's always the danger isn't it when you base your financials on uh, on the field uh, expectations it's so hard to um actually you know make that add up i guess if if, if things don't go quite as you plan but um the dundee one and the daily record is uh, also an interesting one and i suppose the thing that that um, chimes with me is the the interview we had with Andrew Jennings a couple of weeks ago talking about financial journalism, um and you know by no means a the Daily Record perhaps my favoured uh, uh newspaper of choice but you know that conversation and and what Andrew was talking about about you know football journalists and financial journalists and that kind of being a grey area where football journalists won't want to talk about finances because they need access for the content and financial journalists not really looking at um, football as being a serious thing worth you know discussing in the, in the papers so um, you know just goes to show that actually if if, uh, if an organization does try and look into that and these are the kind of some of the consequences and I guess that's kind of some chiming through from, from what Andrew Jennings was saying um, yeah, I suppose the, the, and, and, and Dundee say, now saying that the Daily Record reporters aren't welcome to yes in, in Dens Park um, I don't think it was a sports reporter that wrote the story um, so yes yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that's the, the hazard. Of... Money there with, that, with that pressure that they're under, that, that tension between you know wanting to report those issues and and not being able to. Uh, jeopardize their access absolutely um i suppose that's the the line that they have to walk and i suppose you know if you're looking for a a reason as to why there isn't more about financial analysis um you know that might be might be the reason and i think that's unfair of football clubs to do that and and and, but let's be honest there could also be a lot of ill truth spoken within the piece that um you know i think that was their main argument wasn't it that they weren't happy with um some of the claims that were made in the piece but i think i think it was as much the headline as anything else claiming that they were on the on the brink, yeah, uh, and they were saying they're 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 anything but on the brink. Yeah, they're just they're just 
there's just a gap in their numbers, but it's but it's they've got an answer to how to fund that at least in the, the short to medium term. Mm, so the sensationalist nature of of sure. it, which is what you would expect from a um, a, a tabloid exactly, paper. Yeah. So um, the other side to that story is that actually something that we tweeted about today, um, which was that actually Scottish football is in in quite good health, and <laughs> financially. So for for Dundee and Dundee United's losses, actually there are you know I think the piece was about five reasons uh, Scottish football fans should feel positive or or something about that, and it was on a it was actually on a business going back to our early point was actually in a business website called the insider um and it's worth having a look at uh it does have a look at the kind of the sheer magnitude of um celtic and rangers finances compared to the rest of scottish football finances but it's an interesting article worth sort of looking at uh, nevertheless um the we'll, we'll put a link to that article in the in the notes that go out with this podcast so when you when you're listening to it and just click into those notes the description of the podcast i don't know if everybody does that or if they just listen but uh, we often put a few links in there to things that we've mentioned uh, during our chats mm, absolutely yeah uh, and the uh, the only thing for us to mention this week was um, uh, i suppose a, a shout out and a, and a plug for the uh, the fans against criminalization podcast um who uh uh, took the time to to speak to me earlier in the week, and they they had a good inter- they had a good uh, podcast with um, interviews from fans of different clubs. So they had uh, the SLO at Hamilton. Um, they also had a Motherwell fan. I think J- Jim Spence was also um, interviewed as part of it as well, giving his views on on the offensive behaviour act at football. Um, and their podcast is you know a really uh, relevant podcast at a time when they're very close to having the offensive behaviour act repealed, which would be the first time that a bill's been repealed in, in, in Scottish Parliament, I believe, um, although don't quote me on that, but, uh, you know, quite a landmark achievement from a fa- from a, you know, a football fans group campaigning perspective. So we will endeavour to have the guys from um, Fans Against Criminalisation on the podcast, I think, to, to pick their brains about the, their campaign and the successes of it, if indeed it does go through, which I, I imagine it will do at this stage. Yeah. So check out that podcast in, in, in the meantime until we can do an in-depth one on that one. Yeah, I think just exploring it, you know, how um, people often write off football fans, but actually if you can be organised and get a group together and, and be really organised about your protest, you know, the impact that that can have for the benefit of the football um, family is, is quite incredible. So um, we look forward to having that one. Uh, but until next week, when we'll have, uh, we keep promising it. I feel like it's carrot. We keep dangling in front of people, but it is actually happening next week. We had to delay last week's interview with Brian Jackson because of the beast from the east, um, which, uh, contrary to Alan's uh, uh, claim, wasn't about his lovely wife. Um, but uh, it was indeed the terrible snowstorm that ruined all our plans. We will be doing the interview with Brian Jackson next week. It's good. Look forward to that, and look forward to speaking to you all again. And uh, have a good week. Absolutely. Cheers. Behind the Goals is a Supporters Direct Scotland podcast. You can get in touch with the show by emailing behindthegoals at hotmail.com or you can also tweet the show at SupDirectScott. That's S-U-P-P Direct Scott.